Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. You know, Brooke and Katie are very good friends, so that kind of upped the excitement level that you're watching her do her thing and just swim this monster leg, and she goes by the Australians, and she almost gets the Chinese. Yeah. And I was I was actually standing with Barry Sverluga and, and Dave Shiner from the Washington Post, good friends of mine, and, and I was bending down, and I was like right in Sverluga's ear, and I was like, holy F. Holy F, Katie may do this. Katie may do this. We may get a gold medal. Oh, so great. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I actually uh, talked to a couple of people about that, in which I said how great it is to have Pat Forty on, to have what is an actual conversation. I mean, he has obvious knowledge about the Olympics. Nigel is here and Gary's here, by the way. Um, you'll hear them in a second. He has obvious knowledge about the Olympics and obvious knowledge about swimming. But he's a real person who's a real dad, and he's tremendously excited by this. And I think that this show, it, that's what it's supposed to be. It, the, the show is supposed to be very familiar voices for everybody, and you check in with them every once in a while, and you find out what they're doing, which is Gary's here. Um Gary uh, said just a second ago, I understand the COVID thing may be back. Is there a, vi- a variant that I should know about? Yeah. Been I mean, a little bit unplugged. <laughs> well, have you been away? Uh, I, I spent a little time away. Yes. Uh, by the way, I want to give a quick shout out to Steve Ward. You commented on my... South Dakota shirt. I'm rocking the South Dakota shirt, which yeah. always gets comments because people say things like, what's that? Yeah. You know, and <laughs> apparently there's a university out there. Only one. We don't credit the other one. There's a South Dakota, South Dakota State. No, we don't, we don't talk about There's the Yankton. Remember Lyle Alzado? Oh, sure. The football player for the Broncos mainly? Yeah. He went uh, to Yankton. Yankton. What's Yankton? A university? Yes. Y-A-N-K-T-O-N. Yankton. No, I've had, you know, I think what's for most of One of them are the Jackrabbits. That's state. Is the Jackrabbits. Pretty good basketball team. Yeah, South Dakota, I believe, is the Coyotes. Isn't that what we... We determine that. That's what we determine with Sean's help. No, just a pretty low-key-ish summer. Spent a week in Carolina Beach, which is just a little south of Wilmington, with, with the uh, in-laws. So and that is North Carolina. Correct. Right, okay. Correct. Because uh, Wilmington is that spot wh- where that's always sort of hurricane central. Right. You want to yes. know, is it going to go right North, over, south, or right wi- over? Right, right over Wilmington, because that juts out. Yeah. Uh, Cape uh, Fear, know. home yeah. of Cape Fear. Yeah. Great uh, movie. De Niro movie. Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, have just essentially been... Hanging out on the compound. Spike and Ike are, are working, but not yet driving, which has been very difficult. I, just, I said this the other day. I have grandchildren who are four and two. This also is, not driving. Run not driving yet. Uh, well, the two-year-old's ready. Um, <laughs> this is the life they've known, the masked life, since they're basically conscious is the life they've known. Hmm. So I don't feel as badly for them as I do for your children. Because they are right at the age where they miss the graduations and they miss the proms and they miss the dances and they miss, they miss all of that sort of buzz activity in their high school years. I mean, for anybody, I, I think of this with Matt, Matt Kelleher's son is going to be senior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and you just couldn't be worse what you've missed. 
Your children, right? So Spike and Ike will be juniors. Yeah. They've been to high school for about four An months. Hour. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, yeah. Is, which is weird. But I will say, uh, I will reiterate, I should say something you told me once years ago when I was taking the job with Kevin Sheehan and, and John Riggins. This would have been 2005 yeah, or six to do an afternoon show. Yeah. And Spike and Ike were two years old, and Sydney was five, and Kim and I were all tortured over what it was going to mean for them. And you said, don't worry about them, man. They're, they're way more adaptable yeah. than you are as an old person. Yeah, it's true. You know, if it's a problem for you guys, it's a problem for you guys, but it's not going to be a no. problem for them. And, um, and my kids, I think, hopefully, for most people listening, it's been the same with their kids. I mean, none of them have enjoyed it, um, but they're adaptable and it's just they'll you know, be you, fine. you only know what you know but, yeah they'll but, be fine, but i but feel badly hard. because they don't i don't think they even understand what they've missed i mean for me my sophomore and junior years of high school were huge socially in many ways that i don't want to necessarily broadcast but there were a lot of things going on there that were fun and foundational to my development yeah um so uh you know it it's been weird but but with respect to my summer, so so those kids work across the street from each other in in uh, downtown Olney, what you may know as the O Town. Yeah, um, go there and often. One of them, uh, or I send someone. <laughs> Spike is at Jersey Mike's. Yeah, and a sub Ike, above and the rest. Ike is at Five Ike Guys. Sticking his fingers in the subs. Oh, and, and Ike oh, is at Five stick Guys. Stick his fingers in so the burger. I, no, they neither of them do that, and they both do a great job. I work about 10 minutes. I live about 10 minutes from where they work. As I said, neither of them can drive. And one of them will have like a 4 to 9 shift, and the other will have like 5 to 10.30. So I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. And, you know, Daddy likes to get his drink on, especially in the summertime. And that is, that's... Crimp the style. That's, I think, where a lot of the weight went. I just haven't been able to hit the booze like I would normally hit yeah, the booze. Yeah, you've lost about 20 pounds. Since, uh, since the start of the vid. Me That's too. That's about right. Me too. Yeah. yeah. You look I'm, good. Well, I, I mean, as do you. I mean, it's, yeah, you lose. So most people have gained weight. Some yeah. have lost weight. I have lost weight. You, yeah. Gary, have lost weight. Uh, let, me, uh, let me just thank George Millay, um, who has an Underwood typewriter now and, and types notes every once in a while to me. And this, for example, here's one that... He also, he makes these beautiful watercolor drawings. Oh, wow. Love They're gorgeous. Yeah. They're just gorgeous. So I like to get his notes. This one, he's got a horse jumping. And he writes, I wanted to let you know how thrilled I was when you had a brief discussion about eventing on the podcast. And that is a, a horse term. That discussion is allowing me to introduce your show to the woman to whom I plan to be related by marriage. You see, Kathy Knox Hammond competes in eventing on a big gray Irish sport horse named Tinker or Sportsfield Earl Grey. It made me so happy to tell Kathy that the odd podcast I listened to had a great discussion about Olympic three-day eventing and that she should listen to it. That hasn't happened yet, but I'm optimistic. The rendering on this card was inspired by Kathy and Tinker going over a jump in a recent competition. She's a wonderful horsewoman. Fortunately for me, she has occasional lapses in judgment when she allows me to take Sportsfield Earl Grey for a spin. It is like being handed the keys to a Ferrari. I can't speak to this, but I'll bet Tori can. Oh, sure. I'll bet Tori knows exactly what that sentence is like and what, what that is like for someone to be able to go out on a great big horse that knows what it's doing. Yeah. You know, and follows the lead of the rider. So thank you to George for that. There's a couple of things we should talk about. I'm going to just get out of the Afghanistan thing very, very briefly here so nobody gets in trouble. <laughs> but it, it occurs to me, 
and maybe you have to be my age, although that doesn't seem to have helped the president of the United States in this particular circumstance. We have this notion in America, one of the youngest countries in the world, we have this notion that because we have popcorn and we have cool cars and we have nice clothes, that everybody wants to be like us. Everybody may want what we have. That doesn't mean they want to be like us. Countries like Afghanistan have been around a lot longer than we've been around. And they've been the same country for a lot longer than we've been around. And our notion that, well, we just give them democracy, we'll just give them what we've got, and they're going to be very happy. No, it doesn't work. I, I mean, you've heard the name Taliban for 40 years. It goes back to when you heard it when the Russians went in there. Taliban didn't go anywhere. They're still there. Their aims are still their aims. They took over the country in a minute and a half. Shocking. In a minute. Yeah, not, not shocking. No, the speed. Was, no. I mean, ten, last Monday they were saying, oh, they could take Kabul in 60 to 90 days. And in an hour. Say six yeah. today. To in nine. an hour. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's... Don't... Yeah. Don't be surprised at this, that other people behave in ways that they have historically behaved and that those ways are different than our ways, right? Is it, there's nothing more to be said about this, nothing I wouldn't think. Sums it up. But I don't, I mean, it, you may feel, everybody may feel this timeline is shocking, but I actually don't. I, I actually don't. Well, I feel yeah. it was, you know, this was... I mean, the outcome was inevitable, but to me it just seemed... So we'll move so on. To but, but can better. I just say one other thing about that, or, or yeah. just one other thought I have about that? Because in, in my house, I guess my my kids are of an age and inclination. We have a lot of discussions they about ask. these sorts of things. Yeah. And and what I always sort of come back to is, look, there there just there are no easy answers here. Okay. I mean, we we were there, and let me just preface this by saying I'm not taking a side, making an argument. I'm simply stating facts right now. We were there for 20 years theoretically getting them ready. That was sort of the guise in which we were there. And we left. And to your point in, I mean, it almost isn't an exaggeration to say an hour hour and a half. Like it was all out the window. So I wonder, I would love to talk to a general or someone with, which is great because I think we're going to have a four star on in the second hour today. Sure. Third hour. What what would another six months, six years, 20 years have even done? I mean, and so it's easy to understand, I guess, sometimes how we get in these places and never get out, but it's just doesn't. This is not the first time this has happened to the United States with a plan for someone else's country. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the critical words are someone else's country. All right, Roger Federer, he's done. You're yeah. Mr. Tennis. Yeah. He's done. He needs another knee operation. He's 40 years old. Yeah. He just said many months. Many months means I'll see you around. Well, he's done. One yeah. of the greatest players of all time, but your body tells you when, right? Your body tells you when you're done. Mm-hmm. I think he looks at Tom Brady and he says, I've got at not least every, another five years. Not but he everybody doesn't. is Tom Brady. No, he, and his 
the lifespan of his career compared to tennis players before him, I mean, it's remarkable. That's right. Said, 40. Most people are done at 33, yeah. 34. Although um, he didn't say goodbye. No, no he thinks he, he's coming back. Yeah, I think just, he will try and do done. like a farewell tour. Like, I think he'll try okay. and at least play Wimbledon okay. you know, and say goodbye and, and try Lovely. and do that. But Lovely. He's, it's not a threat for, to win. For all intents and purposes, yes, he's not done. a threat to win. And Jimmy Connors, when he was 38 or 39 years old, had this run at night in the U.S. Open. And he got to the semis. Yeah, so much fun. It was great. It was great. But he got beat. Didn't win. Didn't make the finals. Didn't win. Didn't. I mean, you know, farther time undefeated, as yes. people like to say. Yes. I could go on and on about the Nats, but I'm just going to tell you this one thing about the Nats. The Nats stink. And yes, I do watch. <laughs> I told you when they made all these trades, when they got rid of all these people. Folded I, like the Afghans. I said, they're not <laughs> going to win 10 more games yes. this year. Yes. They've won one. So they're one in twelve. Wow! They're not going to win ten. <laughs> they got nine to go. They're not going to win them. They they're just they're they're a triple A. They're barely a triple A team. Does it bring you any sort of joy to no. see the results of Brad Hand? Oh who, yeah. Who I guess came in the other night. We got emails on that. Okay. Yeah, no, we do. Is yeah, there no. any part? And I know you and Chuck and Chris, you guys All are still watching that. Watching. Is there, is there no part crazy. of you that's like, yeah, they, management doesn't care. Why should I at this point? Yes. I care. No, I don't. I've never reached that point. This right. is something I do. I it's watch just, baseball. You're games. just loyal. Like I watch that. this team. Uh, you know, I enjoy it. Do you see yeah. anything that sort of no. gives you a glimmer no. of hope for the no. future? No, zero, <laughs> zero. <laughs> they don't have anybody. They got one player, and that guy's not going to resign because he's going to look around and say, "Why do I want to play on a 50-win team?" Mm. No, I don't want yeah. it. Somebody else will give me the money. Did you, I'm going to go somewhere else. Did you watch the Dodgers game at all last I night? I did to sh watch Scherzer. <laughs> his his Scherzer. his own. His own teammate in two places got him in trouble twice with bad fielding plays, Trey Turner, and Max got out of it. And I looked to see what Max Scherzer's record is, and at the bottom of the box score, it just says 2-0. Mm -hmm. I, I think, was he 7-4 and four with the Nats? Yeah, I think he's, yeah. Is there some reason? I didn't, I didn't understand that they do that. I didn't think they Especially did that. Especially maybe when you swap league. league. Right. In the same league, I didn't understand that. Because I don't think your batting average changes if you get traded. I think it's no, a cumulative batting I, average, so I I'm a little bit surprised. Well, this says 10 and 4. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Is there some reason to believe he could not be the Cy Young Award winner in the National League? Is there somebody so much better, and I'm just blanking on this? There probably right, is. You're asking the wrong guy. Walker right Bueller, now. I think, is much better, but I, I, I think that Max I mean, if is going to get votes. Especially if he marches to the yeah. end here, which he's very capable of doing. I yeah. have to say. I root Trey, for Max Scherzer. Trey Turner looks really good in a Dodger yeah, he uniform, does. doesn't yeah. he? He's never coming back, kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there was a story in the post. I mean, maybe we'll Zverluga will be on. Maybe we'll ask him about this. But there was this analytical story that was just a, an apology for what the Nats have done. It was a very long story in yesterday's paper. It's just an apology, right. and it just explained why the Nats did this. And it didn't. And nobody stood up. And you can't do this when you're a reporter. You can only do this when you're a columnist. Nobody stood up and said, wait, I don't believe any of that. that that's not true. I don't believe that. And so there was none of that. I wanted to get to one thing before we got out of here. I'm being bitten by these... Oh, the wood mites? These microscopic, unseeable bugs, and I find welts all over my arms and legs, and they apparently drop from trees, but you can't see them because they, yes. they're eating the eggs of the cicadas. But yes. if they're microscopic, how much of a meal can they get? <laughs> I, I don't. There, I can't see them. Do you know what I mean, Gary? Have you? Or do you have? No, these? I. Uh, we had some friends over this weekend, and I just heard about these. For I had no right. knowledge of them, but someone was telling me they can. They can do 
damage to a you know to a person. You just begin scratching yeah. like a hound, which we <laughs> talked about the other day. Jeannie and I talked about this. Like, yeah. So, do you have them? I guess if you wear long, do you have them? These bites? I've got a few. Nigel's wearing three layers yes. because it's only going to be eighty-five today. I, so. uh, well, I hike out on the Billy Goat Trail, so I've gotten more than my fair share of bites. Usually on my neck, which is I've had them on my neck and yeah. in my elbows and behind my knees, and you know, and scratching. Yeah, just anyway. Dave Sims loved it when Jeannie and I impromptu went into um, Poison Ivy. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us from Chicago when we return. He apparently watched the end of a golf tournament. I didn't even know there was a golf tournament on yesterday, so he watched the end of the golf tournament, and we'll talk about that, among other things, I'm sure. I am Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Freshly ad. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly... It's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and take the pressure off you. We're all trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. With Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week, so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. Visit Freshly, F-R-E-S-H-L-Y dot com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better few meals like steak peppercorn, which I've had and I liked, sausage baked penne, which I've had and I've liked, and the chicken pesto bowl, which I haven't had. I don't like pesto. Not a pesto fan. I'm not a pesto guy. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. And now our listeners... I guess you people who are listening can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. So you, you heat them. That's what you do. There are, you know, this is different from the things that come as and ingredients. You, and you cook them and you chop right. them this and ready you bake to go. them. This is ready to go. And it's, it's so great because they always say, take it out of the tray and put it on a plate because they don't want you to think it's in a tray for the rest of your life like a, a meal you ate when you were a child. <laughs> and it's fine. Take them out of the tray. Sure. Put them on a it's plate and sit down. Folks. Yeah, sit down. Right now, Freshly is offering listeners to this high-quality podcast $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two offers. That's Freshly.com slash Tony K. 40 bucks off your first two orders. Don't be an idiot. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band, a kid's band with a fabulous name. Post-Sex Nachos. Post-Sex Nachos. It's called Holding On To You. Let me read the letter. Uh, I've been waiting for the appropriate time to write to the mailbag. I go way back to the sports reporters. I watched while the woman to whom I'm related by marriage groaned that she finally found two people more annoying than me, Mike Lupica and Tony Kornheiser in that order. Much to my surprise, at the beginning of the pandemic on a long drive to Charlotte, she goes, you can listen to Tony and you don't have to put the earbuds in. I couldn't believe it. She actually listened and enjoyed the show. I almost wrote the show because of another situation where three guys all named Todd were going to get together during the pandemic. We quarantined and decided we could work at our friend Todd Meyer's home at Reynolds Plantation. I left Kohler, Wisconsin and stopped at Todd Balber's in Chicago, played in his member guest at Evanston Country Club, and we then drove to our friend Meyer's home at Reynolds Plantation. On that drive, Balber had never listened to your show, so I listened to about 10 hours and we laughed all the way there. A new little was born. Tata Palooza happened. We played East Lake Country Club. Wow. 
Cuscawilla, Reynolds National, and spent a week golfing, working, and enjoying company. But now I have a real reason to write. Our classmate, Jimmy Broden, has a son in a band touring the country. He's an undergrad at your favorite university, Mizzou. The band has a couple of original songs we want to share with your audience. And this is, this is the name of the band, Post-Sex Nachos. And Todd Hart writes, and he's from Kohler, and that's in Wisconsin. I would love to have you here in Kohler, where there are the, the Meadows and Roller Courses and Black Wolf Rona, the Irish and Whistling Straits. I played them. I even have room at the house if you guys got the urge to come and watch the Ryder Cup. Isn't that nice? Great right? faucets in Kohler, too. Yes, no. absolutely. Yeah. Because the they make them and they own them. The best. best toilets in America. Michael Wilbon is played in by all of this stuff. And I figured he'd like it because he's aware of those golf courses. Not, new, not news to either of you. I'm sure you were aware of this. But my kid informed me this weekend. Apparently, you guys were named by ESPN. Or maybe this was an old story. Like one of the greatest sports duos of all time. So I feel like no I'm idea. in the Mike, did you know that? Did you know no. that? Yeah. Mike was what do you mean one of? What one of? Who's ahead of us? I, d I cared one so up. little i didn't even ask what number <laughs> one i just up. said yeah whatever because I'll, ju I'll just say this and, and this is going to sound terrible and mike can slap me verbally if he wants a at some point they're going to write the history of sports on television and the pti show is going to be the best show there ever was and now mike and mike and i are grateful for this and and we're lucky we're lucky because it could have been other people but it's going to go down as the best. Am I wrong on this, Wilbon? Do you think what I think? Or am I making this up? I, you know, I, I, I must say, Tony, I've never thought of it. I hope that's right. the case. I, you know, I hope we sort of we get the credit of being the Siskel and Ebert of, of sports on TV. That would be quite an yeah. honor. I got to tell you, but before we start, by the way, it's no longer Reynolds Plantation. It's just oh, Reynolds. Oh, yeah. You got to take out Plantation. They Plantation's a word. I know this because... My dear friends, my dear friends Hans and Sabrina Weger, my former next door neighbors, right. dear friends, uh, live there now, and I've played, gone and stayed at their place, and visited. And Hans picks us up from the airport, and we're driving, and I said, "Whoa, it's just called Reynolds now," and he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's just called yeah. Reynolds. You can imagine why." We're not going to have a lot of things called plantation. No. In fact, Florida has a town. Oh yeah, plantation, plantation Florida. Florida. And at some point, somebody's going to say, let's 86 this. What thing. about Reynolds Rap? Reynolds Rap is still going. You're going to just stay with Rap? Reynolds Rap is still going. Wilbon, speaking of golf, you texted me the other day. I never saw it. I, I never saw the actual event. What happened in the golf? Yeah, uh, Kisner, uh, after he stuck at the four feet, there was a six way playoff. It should have been seven. Somebody missed That's a, a lot. There should have been a seven way playoff. It was a six way playoff. Uh, you know, uh, Adam Scott could have won it in the first hole, first extra hole, and missed a four-foot putt after putting Ugh. a wedge to four feet. I heard he didn't even hit the hole. I read he, he didn't, didn't hit the hole. hole. It, it was, he just pulled it. You could see it when he's yeah. lining up. You're screaming at the TV, no, Adam, stop. Your alignment's terrible. Right. And then uh, Kisner sticks it to four feet, and he makes it. So there it, it wasn't... A lot of drama, and I didn't watch a lot of golf. I did not watch golf over the weekend except yesterday, and I just watched a couple of holes. So, Okay. I missed know, it. it. I it missed was, it, it completely. Okay. It was entertaining to, to that degree. Let me bring up something that we talked about in, uh, just at the top of the show. Federer. Like, I know how much yeah. you love Federer. Yeah, he, he's got to be. He's done now. He's got to be done yeah, now. Yeah, he's yeah. 40. He's okay. He's 40-plus years old. Right. Right. This isn't where you can even stand in there and hang in there because a bunch of people are blocking for you. You got to go out and run that's with right. you know, <laughs> seventeen year old dude. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, right. This, this isn't have another avocado sandwich and then 
scream at the referee <laughs> because somebody was crawling around your knees. <laughs> you got to go out so and good. do this. And he, it's, it's okay. He's either That's... the greatest ever or in the, the really short list of, of two for the greatest ever. So, that, that, you know, it's, it's okay. It, you, the point you make about Brady is so true. This is, a, this is not an individual sport. This is a collective effort. Um, yeah. Brady is the most amazing athlete any of us have ever seen. It, he's the most amazing. But he's not doing it alone. Right? He's, yeah. People should understand that. He's yeah, it's no, not I alone. Fun just, to, just to make fun, but Brady's ridiculous. I don't know that he's yeah. the most amazing athlete I've ever seen. I'm not going that far. He's just great. He's great. He's great, because I'm not going to call him an athlete in their context for talking about athleticism and athlete. He's just the greatest. He's the greatest in that sport, you know, in terms of still doing this and winning all the time. You know, you talk about LeBron being the GM and the coach. I mean, Brady's that. Yes, he is. Brady's that. And he's great. Um, But Federer, you know, Federer's got – Federer can't play – like Brady basically talked about playing for the last eight or nine years or more. Um, it was maybe since 2014, I think he's, he's played seven years on a bad wheel, and he's been able to do it. You, you're not going to do that in tennis. That's not going to happen. No. No, you, I mean, you can't. And then when you get an operation and you say it's going to take money, many months to even start back up, you, you, and you're you, over you, 40, you're done. It's okay. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. All right, let me get to football. Well, let me get to the anticipation in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. About the guy wearing number one. I think he's wearing one, right? Fields is wearing one. Wearing or is he wearing one. Some? Yeah, he's wearing one. And and when you start talking about Justin Fields, please don't make me don't make me go back and tell you what you think about Ohio State quarterbacks <laughs> most of the time. Go ahead. What you think? You think you think that's new thought, or you think <laughs> that's a hundred years worst yeah. quarterback history? Buckeyes or Bears for a thousand, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't make me go back. What are you talking about? Who is Dwayne Haskins? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're no good in the pros. They're no good. So, what is it like in Chicago? Yeah, what's it like with unbridled optimism? You you know how I hate preseason football. Yep. Um, And most years, I just don't watch any of it. I just don't watch. I just show up. For the Thursday night after Labor Day, and I, I'm ready to go. Well, that's not the case this year, because after the whole Trubisky saga, in which Trubisky is being really treated badly, I think I think he is treated much more, much worse than he deserves. They go out, they make heaven and earth move. They get we get Justin Fields from Ohio State, and and the town is literally on edge. I mean, Tony, here's how crazy it is here. I mean, so the Cubs have now, after dumping everybody, the Cubs have lost 11 straight again. The second time the Cubs have lost 11 straight. Here's how many times the Cubs have lost 11 straight twice in 146 years of play. Never. They're so bad. Yet, we have now diverted our attention completely, and we don't even care that the Cubs exist. We don't even care because Justin Fields has come riding in on a horse. And Saturday at noon, the Bears played a preseason game against the Dolphins here in Chicago. And I should have walked down the street. Yes, I can walk to Soldier Field, but I didn't. And I just said, I'm not going to do this. I am not going to go crazy and lose my mind because Justin Fields is under center. And he could be 
in three weeks the greatest quarterback in the history of the Bears. He really could be. And he goes out, and he's two for six with a fumble, the first seven snaps. And Matthew was with his mother. They're at the beach somewhere. Matthew's texting me, Dad, give me updates. Because he's got a Justin Fields number one jersey already. He's already got one. I found one for him. And I said, Matty, he's two for six. He looks terrible. He's fumbled. He can't even connect with the receiver. He's awful. And before I can finish the text, Justin Fields has completed 14 straight passes, <laughs> run for a touchdown, set up another touchdown with a run in which he just blows by people like Usain Bolt and then throws a touchdown pass on a play-action fake that you just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the whole place has gone nuts. And, you know, it's the, he's not the only thing we have right now. I mean, the White Sox have the biggest lead in, in baseball, the biggest lead, the biggest division lead the White Sox have. The Bulls have retooled. The Blackhawks have gone crazy and retooled. But Justin Fields on Saturday, I mean, it, it, it was as if this was like a prelude to the Super Bowl. People have lost their minds. Do you want him, if you are coaching the team and you have Andy Dalton, who went to the playoffs, didn't win, but went to the playoffs with Cincinnati four different times. He's a professional quarterback. Do you want Justin Fields in there starting game one, or do you want Andy Dalton and you were ready to bring in Justin Fields when you're ready to bring him in? I, 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 want, I don't want Justin Fields emotionally to start the first game. Because I'm old enough to remember when people who, were, who became great quarterbacks, John Elway, uh, uh, Troy Aikman, Peyton Manning, they were terrible their first year. They're supposed to be terrible. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I know that. I, I got old enough to remember. I covered it. So that's my heart. But my head is looking at what I saw Saturday. And Andy Dalton looked like just some dude. Right. And once again, Justin Fields completed 14 straight passes. He looked in total command. I, I know that this is the preseason. I, I know that. But once you see that, you're going, oh, geez, how do I keep, how do I, how do I, how do I maintain this position <laughs> right through September or whatever the opener is? I don't know that I can, if he, if he goes, he's going to play again. They play Buffalo this week. Buffalo has a guy who's coming in town who's going to play. His name is Trubisky. Trubisky's going to play here in Soldier yeah. Field Saturday. I mean, you know, it, it would probably help the, 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 the local just the sense of crazy if Trubisky had a decent game and Fields threw an interception and had some incompletions. And it, it would probably just help the equilibrium. But that's probably not going to happen. You know, we're, we're going to be on this course where the coach keeps saying, Andy Dalton's my starting quarterback. QB1. He's QB1 week one. The other dude just completed 14 straight in his debut. The other dude ran past somebody. He ran past two or three linebackers. He looked back at him like, are you people serious? Are you chasing me? So <laughs> He would have run, he would have run over a guy at the goal line, too, if he the ran, guy hadn't he ran, gotten he ran out. through a dude yeah. at the goal line. Yeah, I mean, the guy sort of backed off. You know, there's like, there's a reason I know people don't want to hear this because most of the time we'd go far too crazy in rating high school players. 
This kid was the number one quarterback in the country yeah. when he was in high school. And he went to Georgia, right? And it didn't work out in Georgia, and he left. But the guy before him that was the number one quarterback in the country was Trevor Lawrence. I mean, when you're the number one quarterback in the entire country, Mike, yeah. people, you're good. You're good. You're good. You, got, you got skills. But, the, you know, we've yeah. seen the Bears have probably drafted two or three times guys who were number one quarterbacks coming out of high school, and they became Bears quarterbacks. Right. And Ohio State has had people that they've gotten on transfer or recruitment that were the number one high school quarterback in the world, and then they became Ohio State Buckeye quarterbacks. So, you know, people can say whatever they want about ratings and all that stuff. It's not a given. It's not. Because the Chicago Bears came into existence as the Decatur Staley's in 1919. It's 102 years. 102. Here's how many great quarterbacks the Chicago Bears have had. One. Half of one. Jim McMahon. One, Sid Luckman. So Sid Luckman was great. Sid Luckman and Jim, so was one a and great a half. quarterback. Jim right. McMahon was great when he was healthy, but that was never. So yeah. he, he was. He was great. Jim McMahon was something like 38 straight games in which he was upright. But he wasn't. So we've been down this road a few times, and, and Justin Fields, wow. I mean, I, I watched every snap in a chair. I wouldn't even lay down. I couldn't. It's too stressful. I'm rooting for this kid so hard. And so, you know, and this is the way it is. If you are a fan, if you call yourself, if you admit to being in love with this franchise and this team, this is what you do. I mean, my son is 13, and he called yesterday and said, Dad, we have to go over Justin Fields. I said, what do you think we're going to do? Watch the film? Shut up. Leave it alone. <laughs> go and shoot baskets or something. You almost this hope. What, this is what we have. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, a Bears fan. I'm not a hater either. But I would just say, Wilbon, just knowing what you've gone through with this team, you almost hope he comes back to earth this preseason. Like, let him have a yes. bad game or two. The yes. better he does, the, yes. the greater the expectations, the more pressure, the worse it becomes when he goes out there and has an 8-for-21 with two picks game, if yes. that ever happens. Well, it's going to happen because that's what even great quarterbacks in right. the first it's year. Right. But it needs to yeah. happen in the preseason. You know, you know, okay, so the kid from North Dakota State or wherever he's from, I mean, he had one of those. He went five for 21 or something like that, and he had an 80-yard touchdown pass. Right, but he had right. one of those games where you can just sort of slow your roll, and you can let the starter start. You can let Andy right. Dalton, if it's start, and just leave it alone. I will tell you the one, the one thing that I saw. Fields we, looks good. Fields does look good. No, but he looks great. I, yeah, well, I'll give you one other guy, and I, and I don't. I think I think it's a mistake. I would start Cam Newton, but that kid's much better than Cam Newton with that team right now, Mac Jones, right now. Yeah. And you know, Mike, you know what happened. You know that Bill Belichick would never have drafted that kid if Nick Saban didn't say to him, "Bill, he can run your offense yeah. now." Oh, yeah, no, 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 all that's now. Funny, but you don't have to run it week one. I don't. Belichick no, I don't think you should. I don't think Belichick he should. Belichick All right. will not be tempted to do. No, he won't. Thing, Tony, Belichick's job is not on the line. Matt Nagy. That's right. His job is still on the line. And You're so, right. So Different pressure. Kid, now I know, and, and by the way, I thought it was admirable that Nagy said, look, I want him to be as spectacular as every one of you. So, so basically, Nagy has come out and done something a coach never does. He's admitted, yes, our jobs are on the line. This kid needs to be great at some point. But then Nagy has put the brakes on and he has said, you know, listen, listen, let's slow down. Tony, no one is hearing him. No yeah. one is hearing <laughs> the coach. Not here. So people start the, the day today 
you know, in love. They, he may as well be John Elway, you know, 1997, for all anybody. They just don't want to see Andy Dalton. They don't, no one wants to see him. So I am, like, telling myself, stop it. Really, stop. All right. We'll talk about it later, I'm sure. Talk to you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Barry's Verluga will join us when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. They change their ads every month. They do really good copywriting. As you prep for the back-to-school season, slide securing life insurance onto that to-do list between buying a protractor and some number two pencils, if you're old. <laughs> Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes and get covered. Summer's almost over, and responsibility is about to rear its head. Get ahead of reality, get life insurance done now. With Policy Genius, you can get free quotes in minutes. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why compare? Well, you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and the buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical exam requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need, and you can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Head to policygenius, P-O-L-I-C-Y, genius, policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is James McDougal. He writes, hopefully I'm not too late. I procrastinated sending in a jingle because, frankly, I've been too lazy. Perhaps also because I've been too cynical, thinking that the likelihood of your playing it is about as high as Wilbon saying no thanks to a medium-rare porterhouse at Gibson's. But as hope springs eternal. Here's one of my originals. Wrote going home while deployed as an Air Force pilot to Afghanistan many years ago. Just one guy and a guitar and lots of sand. Certain that your jingles cue has become insanely popular. May I shamelessly bribe you to cut in. If you air this sometime on your sometimes excellent podcast, I promise not to email you incessantly with requests to talk about the NBA Summer League or Nats reliever, X reliever, thank God, Brad Hand. A men of our age, it's affinity for more reachable par fives. All right, that's a stretch. I'm 15 years your junior. But I do look forward to the day when I can move up to your tee box. James McDougal. This is called Going Home. He plays in... Barry's for Luga. Nigel, if people like James McDougall want to finally send in their music and get it played, how do they do it? You can send us your original music to uh, jingles at TonyCornizershow.com. Uh, if you're sending in for your nephew or your mate or whoever, uh, just make sure they email us there as well with their permission. We want your music. We love to play your yes. music. We've said this a thousand times before. It's too expensive to play songs that everybody's familiar with that have been recorded. So we're playing your music, and it's just as good and often better. Barry's for Luga joins us now. And I made a comment. I write questions down, and there's a lot of things to ask Barry because he was away. He was at the Olympics. And one of the things I wrote down, and I even made this comment yesterday to the socialite as we were playing golf, it's, it's gone. It's vanished. It's a week. It's vanished 
from my memory. I'm sure it hasn't vanished from yours because you were there and participated in it and wrote every single day. It's gone from mine. What do you think of that? I don't think it's crazy at all. And in fact, as I was thinking about talking to you this morning, I was like, oh, shoot, he's going to ask about the Olympics. What the heck <laughs> happened that last yeah, week? <laughs> and that's not an exaggeration. I mean, yeah. my last week has been, you know, getting back here, trying to get my clock reflipped to normal yeah. still, um, overcoming, you know, writing every day and getting ready to go into, you know, baseball postseason and the NFL regular season and whatever is afoot. And it's amazing how quickly everything that has dominated the last month just fades into the background. And it, it, to me, Tony, it further emphasizes the anonymity in which these athletes toil for four years at a time, all for a, a two-week, two-and-a-half-week burst. And, and, you know, the pressure is such to take advantage of that really limited time in the spotlight because – it either sets up your next four years to, to try to do it again and compete and, and get those endorsements and, and be part of the public discussion, or you put yourself in position to just fade further into obscurity because your obscure sport is not uh, being paid attention to by anybody. So it's just, it's just, I don't disagree with you at all. I can place my specific memories, but again, as I was sitting down to talk to you, it's like, well, what, what would they be? What would my top three things be? Um, it wasn't an easy thing to pull memories um, from my brain. They're like human cicadas. They are. They show up yep. for a couple of weeks, and then as soon as the noise stops, they disappear from your life. Um, as a viewer, the Olympics was dominated, dominated by Simone Biles saying, uh-uh, no, done. And that was it. And that's while we can have lots of discussions about the worth of that as somebody wanting to watch the Olympics, that's a downer, right, Barry? That's a downer. Oh. Like, you know, you go, boy, is that what we got? We got someone who doesn't want to compete, and you go, whoa. Yeah, and I, and I would, you know, I mean, we've had this discussion, so I don't want to relitigate it, but I would, I yeah. would say, yeah. you know, part of the discussion is, does she want to compete or is she unable to compete? And we can, we can talk about that. But I agree with you, Tony, that if, if I were to be you know, put on the spot and say, what's the single most memorable moment that you saw in Tokyo? That's it. That's it's it. Simone Biles walking out of the gym. And, and say, all that's the it, I'm questions, done. Yeah, yeah and, and saying all the questions that um, that, that brought, not a, only about her situation, but about athletes and pressure and dealing with, emotions and physical issues and, and all that swirl and jumble and stuff that, that really came to dominate, dominate the Olympics, that's the moment. Now, you know, I would list other things that you will have forgotten as, you know, the other things that I remember. And is this kid, a 17-year-old from a tiny town in Alaska named Lydia Jacoby, winning the 100-meter breaststroke? Like, I remember that. I was there. I wrote about it. I called people in Alaska. Like, that was the fun part of the job. You don't remember that, and that's not because you're a forgetful right. old man. It's it's because you're part of the American sports consumer society that is on to the next thing immediately. And if the next thing is a burgeoning NFL season and wondering how all these like first round quarterbacks are going to do, the Olympics have no chance. I mean, there's a reason why people said, you know, oh, it's so hot in Tokyo. Why didn't they move? 
the Olympics to the fall. The, the Tokyo Olympics, even in 1964, were in the fall because it's too hot in the summer. The reason they didn't move into the fall is because there's an NFL season, and NBC wants no part of putting the NFL, uh, putting the Olympics up against the NFL. It They're right. The, the They're Olympics right. to be in the soft spot in their sporting calendar, and the soft spot is, in their sporting calendar is in the middle of the summer. This is what golf does. Golf recognized. We can't, we can't go against the NFL. We're moving That's the right. majors up. We're not doing this. We're not stupid. The NFL is dominant. So let, let me get to something, because this is the sort of inside baseball of what you do for a living and what I used to do for a living. The biggest news in Washington, D.C. during the Olympics was the strip mining of the Washington Nationals. Boom. Overnight, everybody gone. Overnight, that's a minor league team. That, you have to write that. I understand you're in Tokyo, and I understand your hour, you know, your time clock is different, and I understand why you're covering the Olympics. But when you're the sports columnist of the Washington Post, you got to write, right? You got to write that. And not only that, you want to write that. You want to write that story. It's going to have more readers, right? So, yeah. I mean, if you want, you know, the inside baseball on that, I mean, that was during the swimming. I was, I was with um, Dave Shinen, friend and colleague, every morning at the swimming. The swimming morning finals were so they could be in prime time back in the States. So every day I would, you know, finish there and then come back to the office and look for a column that, that afternoon um, and I came back and my editor, uh, Matt Rennie, your friend and mine, um, was in the yep. office and we talked about potential Olympics things. And I said, you know, I mean, I can sit here and write Nats, uh, because it's right at my fingertips and it's probably, you know, I, I, I mean, they, they didn't trade Kyle Schwarber and Brad Hand and that was it. I mean, they traded Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and that is it's a Nat story. It's a defining Nat story, but it's also a baseball story. And they, they traded him to the Dodgers. The Dodgers won the World Series. The Dodgers are now prohibitive favorites again. But, I mean, this is there's a lot going on here. And he said, you know, just just write Nats, and um, you know, and that takes, as you know, Tony, uh, the 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 good, not maybe not the good columns, but the the columns that you know, they take no time because you, you just, you sit down and you start typing and you know, what's in your head and you know, the background and you know, the context and you know, the characters. And so boom, like, you know, 90 minutes or two hours later, you have a, you have an apps column. And that was that day from 7,000 miles away, the best use of my time, because it wasn't, you know, Oh, they lost a the game to the Braves or, or something that didn't really matter. It was, it was the fundamental, kind of identity of the organization has shifted. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're in Tokyo or, or in Washington. That's right. You should probably deal with that. That's the story. That's the story. So now if I'm a sports editor of the Washington Post today, and I'm talking to you, Barry's Verluga, I'm saying this to you. We just ran a big story trying to explain every single thing that the Nats did two weeks ago. The Nats were now 1-12 and 12 since that point. And that story read to me as a fairly one-sided Nats giving out their opinion as to why this was done. And then I go to you as a columnist and I say, I need a little criticism here. I need somebody to look at this and tell me, is this what we should believe or should somebody stand up and scream, are you kidding me? You haven't fixed the bullpen in five years and why do you think Juan Soto would sign with a team that's going to win 45 to 50 games? Right. So if I'm the editor, I go to you and in effect, I say to you, this is the biggest story where we live still. 
because of the story that we just ran yesterday. Am I wrong on that? Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. But I think I think the difference would be. It, I don't think, and I, I'm thankful for this. I don't think my editors would come to me and say, um, "I need you to scream at them." I think I think they would say, "What do you think about this?" Um, and and is there another way to come at the, the story yeah. that differs yeah. from from the you know it doesn't so. Um, I absolutely, so this is kind of my resurfacing from Tokyo, right? You get back, take a few days. I haven't written since, since then. And then, but I will, you know, resurface today and they have home games against the Blue Jays, um, Tuesday and Wednesday. And the intention would be, you know, if, if I'm not writing today, it would certainly be good to go to the ballpark, um, and, and start talking to people again and re-engaging and, and, um, and, you know, kind of not, allowing them to shape my thinking, but at least get back to reporting a reported um, column. And, and you're, you're completely right, Tony. It's amazing to me that we're in approaching September uh, in a season in which a rare season over the last decade in which the baseball team is going to be a complete non-factor in any sort of pennant yeah. race. The football team is, you know, in theory, coming off of quote division title but it but has a lot you know has a very good defense has some interesting aspects to it um even though i don't believe in them because they don't have a quarterback and the owner is still the owner that 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago there's no way that a columnist at the washington post would return from a summer olympics and everybody would agree that a flailing baseball team's future was a much more pertinent and important first topic locally than the football team. And, and you could argue, and I might argue today, you know, I see three Nats columns before I see one football team column. And that's just a, it's an odd shifting. I'm not, I'm not at all saying that the, the football team still isn't the dominant franchise in town. It's part of the, most popular sporting enterprise in the country, the NFL. Um, yeah. It has a, a longer tenured and, and, you know, kind of a, a deeper seated fan base, but, but they're not relevant in the way they once were relevant. Um, and, and the Nats and other teams have made inroads in, in that regard. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I would never be a sports editor <clears throat> because I'm far too opinionated because I'm a, that's why I was a columnist. So I would go to another columnist and I would say, if I was in charge, well, you got to do this. I mean, it's right out there. You got to do this. Are you kidding me? Of course you, of course you got to do this. And any columnist would agree. They would say, of course. I mean, I understand that that's what I have to do. Speaking of which, um, and this did surprise me, not only was the field of dreams game great, great theater on all levels, including the game itself and the way it ended. But it got an enormous rating for baseball because baseball is not a national sport anymore. There's one national sport, kids. It's the NFL or college football. There may be two, but it's mostly the NFL. But baseball got the highest regular season rating that it's gotten in 15 years. Now, a lot of that is the color in the pageantry, obviously. But when you see a rating like that, do you think to yourself, that there's a way baseball can come back nationally, or can it not? Well, I would say I would go on both sides of that fence, and I was enormously encouraged as a kind of self-identified baseball person um, who also understands the, the really deep flaws in the game that aren't just about how long it takes or how slow it is. Um, 
I thought that was amazing, and MLB did a hundred things right to, to make that yeah. happen, and yeah. it engaged people at a time. It's perfect. It was at that, as we talked about, the soft spot on the sporting calendar. They didn't do that during the Olympics, and that's not by accident. They didn't do that in the heart of, you know, in, in September um, when the NFL season has started up. They did it at the exact right time, um, and it draws, I will say, it does draw on the, the warm, tingly feelings of people my age and your age and, and maybe, maybe broadly from 40 to 80 who loved baseball growing up but also loved the, the movie Field of Dreams and, and have great feelings of, about that. But the number of people who have mentioned the game to me in you know, just casual conversation um, over the last week is – that doesn't happen with the game. People mention the Nats to me all the time because that's what we talk about around here. But that's what baseball is. It's a localized sport that in 30 markets to varying degrees, the fan bases are engaged with that team, with their own team, and can't tell you about the league as a whole. So the fact that the Yankees and the White Sox, and I understand the Yankees are an amazing brand and, and you know probably a top five brand in American sports, and that, that's a differentiator. But the White Sox aren't, and the White Sox are actually the, a, a good team. And people saw a product that both kind of warmed them from within from a time that they kind of romanticize about the sport that they love and were able to engage with the current product that was an exciting and, um, you know, back and forth and the way it ended and, and all of that stuff. That all matters now. Does it does it fix the problems that baseball has with everybody striking out too much and, and velocity be, velocity being overwhelming? No, it doesn't. But it gives you the idea that if and Theo Epstein is working on this. I wrote a column before the Olympics talking to him about how do we address the flaws that are kind of stifling the game. It, it leads me to believe that there is a thirst, not just an audience, but a thirst for what baseball once was. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to overtake the NFL, but I think so much was encouraging um, about the product that night, about how it was received, about people, how people are still talking about it, that it, it, it gets me in kind of an, I'm not overly optimistic about baseball overall. That got me into kind of a, an optimistic place about the sport that I like a lot. Well said. Well said. Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. Barry's Raluga, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with uh, email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Zip Recruiter ad. This new copy. Let's look at this. There are some things in life I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like cuts of steak, mattresses, bottles of wine. Tomatoes. Mattresses. I, you know, I don't. I haven't picked on one of those in a long time. What if you could do the same for hiring? Yes, tomatoes. Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That's where ZipRecruiter's invite to apply comes in. It gives you, as a hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com/tony. How does invite to apply work? Well, when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. Lauren Webb, the Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, and I'm quoting here because they sent me the copy, <laughs> I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate than if I invite candidates. It's easy for me, it's easy for them. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter internal data, 
Jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply gets on the average two and a half times more candidates, which helps for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony, to try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. It just feels like we've been underwater. It's beautiful. It's just lovely. It's relaxing. It's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Chris Brinkley of Martin, Tennessee, who's the play-by-play announcer of the UT Martin Skyhawks, and he writes... You seem ridiculously happy over the relaxing mailbag thing that you played a few shows ago that sounded like it was recorded underwater. I'll give you underwater. By the way, I almost drowned three times recording this. So creative. This morning. So great. Fantastic. So great. Najee, you want to do the Bethesda, Bethesda bagel ad? Bethesda bagels. We've got the bagel sandwiches today. It's a banner day for us. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled, my friend. And you want to, Gary, you want yes, to plug something? Yes, uh, a good friend of the show. In fact, he's sat here, well, not at Uncle Benny's table here, but he's sat in on this podcast with us before. Jared Freed will be performing, comedian, very funny man, performing Thursday, yes. Friday, and Saturday for you Baltimore Littles, even maybe Metro DC Littles, such as myself, performing Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Magoobie's Joke House in Timonium, which Tony... As you know, is like the Timonium of Baltimore. I know where Timonium is. And um, Hunt, right? and is should that... be a great, fun show. So go Good. go support Yeah, Jared. Jared's great. Go see that. I guess that'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, oh, have I got your attention now? Good, because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Because second prize is a set of steak knives. And third? third prize, you're fired. <laughs> you're fired. Alec Baldwin, you're fired. That's brilliant. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Barry Zverluga. Thanks to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, Freshly, and ZipRecruiter. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Yeah, favorable review. That's, um, so that is, who's the writer of that play? Oh, David, David, David Mamet. David Mamet. Yes. That is so brilliant. Oh, that play is so. And and Alec Baldwin has a five minute spot. It's unbelievable. Like he's not the star of the movie by oh, any stretch. It. And he throws you know, haymakers from the first. It's month. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's absolutely fantastic. Brilliant cast. Shelley, did do you have the leads? <laughs> Shelley, do you have the leads? <laughs> exactly. So great. Uh, from Stephen Hickey in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Columbia. Via St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Following up on Brad Hand's most recent game as Toronto Blue Jay, tonight he came on in the bottom of the ninth, tie game, bases loaded. He threw exactly four pitches. Ball one, ball two, (laughs) ball three, (laughs) ball four, game over, Mariners win. Brad Hand. You want want somebody else? Call Dave Sims. Find out how he felt when he was calling that game. Mariners win. Four in a row. See you. Dan Stainer, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. As you searched the clearance rack at the outlets, did you come across Wander Suero? Wander Suero. <laughs> Speaking of Wander Suero, here we go. From Brett Bossy in Buffalo, New York. The Buffalo Bisons returned to Buffalo for the first time in almost two years. They defeated the Rochester Red Wings handily. Coming in for relief for Rochester was a journeyman who has tasted some success at the big league level, but has largely struggled to maintain consistency. Pitching the seventh for Rochester, Wander Suero. One inning, four runs, all earned, mm. four hits and a walk. His ERA at AAA now sits at a robust 14-73. Wow. He really does stink. 
Here is a uh, summer of haiku, summer of Little's haiku from Shan. Whiskey was consumed, wine was shared, bread broken, and new friends were made. From Cheeve in Somerville. Just wanted to report that the Boston Summer of Littles 3.1 event was crashed by a Boston denizen who treated us to the least relaxing game of name the state capitals of all time. <laughs> and a big thank you to Sully from Boston for organizing the cheeserie. From Garrett in Ypsilanti, Michigan, after a wonderful time at the Northern Michigan Summer of Littles event hosted by the great Ed Butt, my family is extending our stay up here at a vacation rental near Traverse City. When I went into the downstairs bathroom for the first time and I saw the to toilet, I stopped in my tracks. I thought, hey, I know that toilet. Well, not this specific toilet, but this kind of high-tech Asian toilet because it is what Steve Sands has talked about for years. Yeah. Yes, it has a heated seat, and yes, it is just as wonderful as Steve has made it out to be. I might not be able to go back to our boring toilet at home. So is this a David Aldridge moment? Sure. Toilet talk. Sure. By the way, the Summer of Littles event in uh, Laytonsville, Maryland at Wardaka, a, a tremendous success. And by that, I mean I was able to stay there three hours and drink without paying a dime. It's very good. So well thank done. you to the Littles who showed up at From Wardaka. Mike in Burke, Virginia. I'm not going to actually pay to send you ties, but I'm retired, retiring effective at the end of September. Wow. 9.30. So if you want me to send you a few ties from my no longer necessary collection, I can make it happen. I mean, none of my ties would remotely approach the level of magnificence or cash for Wilbon's wardrobe, but they might work for an old yodeler and an ink-stained wretch. I'm in Charlottesville now, so if you want a nice assortment of orange and blue gear for Bootsy and the Hammer, we can talk, and I'll stay off your porch. From Joe Rizzo in Oak Hill, Virginia. The cicadas may have died off this season, but their impact in our area literally continues to be felt, and this is what we're talking about. Turns out the cicadas laid their billions of eggs in oak trees, and the microscopic oak mites have been feasting on them. Unfortunately, these mites are falling out of the trees and biting humans, and I can tell you firsthand that they itch and swell. I can report yes, that that's true. That well. They land on your head, shoulders, neck, and even fall down your shirt and bite your chest and oh, back. God. We've tried bug spray, but these beasts just fall down on you and nibble away. I don't know if this has impacted you on your walk with Jesse, but we've had to avoid all trees during our walks. These bites are miserable. I've had some of the bites, yes. From Adam LaPera in Haymarket, Virginia. I recently switched jobs, moved to Haymarket, Virginia, so naturally this had to be updated. Right, left, right, right, left, right, right, <laughs> left, left, right, very quick left. Two stop signs, one traffic circle, one on-ramp, one off-ramp, one yield sign, 10 traffic lights, 21.3 miles in 28 minutes. Not bad. Hello, Mr. Tony. All of the Jeremiah's and Jolene's and Jesse in the world, Jesse's in the world have had it rough, to be sure. However, I'd like the chance to throw my name in the ring. As a child of the 80s, you can guess how many times I've gotten a variation of Winkler. This is Mike Winkler. Winkler as in Henry, and then a long and exaggerated hey. <laughs> while the person waggled their thumbs side to side. Many people asked me to fix their jukeboxes over the years. However, my favorite last name story comes from my younger brother when the approximately 8,000th man, and it was always men who did this, asked my younger brother what kind of motorcycle he rode. <laughs> With the withering stare only a child subjected to such foolishness far too many times could muster. My brother's two-word drop-dead response was, I'm eight. <laughs> One doesn't get to see a smart aleck grown-up shut down quite so effectively by a child all that frequently. So it is stuck in the family lore for almost 40 years. So to all the Karens and Stacys and John Glens, your struggle has been shared. Thanks, Mike, not Henry Winkler. <laughs> Winkler. This is from Mark in Cape May, New Jersey. Years ago, my friend worked at Traveler's Insurance. One day, an automobile claim came in and was assigned to a young adjuster in their New Jersey office. At that time, the adjusters all sat in quad cubicles, and the claim in question was assigned to a relatively new employee. 
The young woman called the claimant and began the conversation with, may I speak to Michael Jackson, please? The second she did so, she began laughing uncontrollably and had to hang up. She attempted this phone call four times, and each time she began laughing and had to hang up. Finally, she got it all out of her system, calmed herself down enough to make a fifth try. When she called, she asked again to speak to Michael Jackson, and lo and behold, she did it without laughing. That is, until a work colleague on the other side of the cubicle wall in his best Michael Jackson voice sang the words, <laughs> Needless to say, the young woman on the phone call again burst into uncontrollable laughter, could not complete the call. I don't know if Mr. Jackson ever got his car fixed or not, but I'm sure this was not the first time he'd been subjected to such a phone call. From Jeffrey McDuff. My name is Jeffrey McDuff, a 35-year-old millennial from Lubbock, Texas. So I guess we're having a name competition? I'd like to throw my hat in the ring for the biggest chip on the shoulder when it comes to names. My last name is apparently great material for people. Now, you're probably going to assume it has something to do with a certain, certain Shakespearean play, and you'd be close. Older people often make that connection, so I would get a lot of lay-on McDuff or the incorrupt lead-on McDuff, but only from old people. Now, kids are vicious. From elementary school to high school, I got a lot of Ronald McDonald, McDoofus, and McFluff and the like. However, one seemed to always be the most common. You see, there was and is a very popular show on TV, especially for my demographic, called The Simpsons. And in The Simpsons, there is a beer called Duff, Duff Beer. Beer. Oh, Duff. Thus, yes. I was called a lot of names coming from this reference. Jeff, my Duff, Duff Beer, Hillary Duff Beer, etc. It was endless. I lived all over the country growing up, but it never seemed to go away. It took a while to stop being bitter about it. Even now, I refuse to watch an episode of that show. Oh, there's always a children's book series with a dog named McDuff, so I got that going for me also, which is nice. It's not all bad, though. I was able to develop a rather thick skin. However, I made sure no one ever knew my middle name, which is not dissimilar to a certain purple dinosaur from our imagination and a bumbling deputy. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. Sincerely, Jeffrey McDuff from the place that you once aptly described as where the end of the world begins. And one more, Jared from Terre Haute. After all the recent emails regarding names, I decided to share my own personal hell. Imagine sharing a name with a national jewelry chain with an annoyingly catchy slogan, as well as a certain now former sandwich chain spokesperson who, how shall I say it, lost a lot of weight than all of his freedom. I'll hang up and listen. Jared from Terre Haute. If you're out on your bike night, everyone is always do wear white. If I wish one of your guys had children if I could kick them in the head or stomp on their testicles before you could feel my pain, because that's the pain I had waking up every day. Gotta say, 
Oh 